Ladies and gentlemen, this is Paused Reviews. Oh, welcome back, one and all, to another episode of the Pause Reviews Podcast. As always, I am your host, Frank, joined by my co-host, Timothy. Hey, Tim. Good evening. (laughs) (laughs) That was actually pretty good. Uh, Again, it's driving me crazy that we don't have, like, a Halloween edition of our theme song to, like, really get us in the mood. And also, that I can't do cool voices. Wouldn't it be fun to do, like, the whole episode in, like, a weird, like, Vincent Price or just, I don't know, just something. I guarantee that by the third or fourth minute of that, I would just probably end up with an English accent. Because that's, no matter, like, I can do one line of accents usually, and then it just... No, then it's just English. <laughs> or no, British no. Or I'm surprised something. you can do a line. Dude, I do horrible accents. I can <laughs> I can sometimes maybe do a word. Somebody told me if you say raise up lights really fast, it sounds like razor blades in an Australian accent. Hmm. Interesting. Somebody also, I heard once that if you say my cocaine fast enough, it's like you're saying, introducing yourself as, as Michael Caine. Yeah. yeah. With his accent. I think they do that in the movie, The Trip. It's uh, it's Steve Coogan and Rob. Uh, I can't remember their names. Anyways, and, and I, they do a whole bit in the first one where there's been like four trip movies. But in the first one, they do this whole bit where they're comparing Michael Caine impressions. <laughs> and I want to say that might be in it. I mean, to be fair, you know, that's everybody's getting on Adam Sandler's case for reusing his accent in his new Halloween movie that he used in like The Waterboy or something. And I'm like, I mean how many accents does this guy have he's not a classically trained actor <laughs> dude i'm so glad you brought that up because i posted about hubie halloween on uh, instagram this great. week on, on the day it premiered i am surprised at the amount of hate that it's getting and i think i wrote in the reviews like basically if you hate adam sandler why are you watching this oh yeah I mean, why are you just... reviewing this It's laden with Easter eggs. It is just an excuse to make Easter eggs of everything. Yeah, it's just fun. And it's absolutely him being Bobby Boucher. And it's absolutely just him being that annoying Adam Sandler character that he does. I don't understand when critics and everybody goes nuts when it's just the guy doing what he always does and makes bank doing it. People have just lost the idea, I think, about what it is to have fun and they think that everything needs to be groundbreaking amazing cinema i mean as we're about to find out shortly that is you know not always the case but sometimes it's you know it's just it's still fun as opposed to some things that we'll talk about soon it's very true it's, sometimes it's just fun and it's not it's he's not supposed to trying to win an oscar like no I mean, no no I mean, this is just adam sandler giving yeah. you the hits that's it yeah, it's Yep, absolutely. All right, as you can tell, we are trying desperately to put off the inevitable, which is to give you a deep dive into the movie The Fourth Kind. This one's going to be tough, but on the good side of things, I I feel like we've got some interesting context and and background info, because this is the deep dive where we're going to really get into how much of this is actually true and how much of it is actually fiction, because The Fourth Kind does very aggressively tout itself as being based on a true story and really being a true story not even based on it's like we are using archival footage this is exactly what happened so anyways so but in in the middle there we're actually gonna have to try to talk about the movie itself and I don't think either one of us is really excited about that part. No, no. I mean, and I was genuinely excited when we came up with this idea. I I was terrified of aliens like when I was 10, Unsolved Mysteries. Oh, um, yeah, X-Files, even, like whatever. Yeah, yeah, even Signs up until the end, like the first kind of fleeting shots of the alien and Signs was like... You mean like, you didn't dig the water bottle t-ball session? Uh, no, that just... Uh, <laughs> But like the rest of it it's was contaminated. <laughs> My wife leaves water 
cups around the house all the time. Dude, that's a wife thing. I'm convinced it's a wife (laughs) thing. My wife does it too. And my favorite part is she'll come up to a glass of water sitting on... So I use a a reusable glass bottle, like a glass water bottle. I use one for the whole day. I just refill it. And that's that's my jam for the day. It's got their different colors. Everybody knows that's my cup. My wife will fill like six different cups throughout the day and leave them spaced sporadically through the house and then come up to you and say, is is this your cup? Is this my cup? And you're just like, it's never my cup. It's never once in 16 years been my cup. What are you talking about, girl from signs? This is clearly you. <laughs> I just have to also hope that the aliens don't like Dr. Pepper because uh, Carissa has a thing about finishing the bottom of the can. She insists that it's just gross and backwash. It's backwash, bro. So that's all what over school the house, taught me. There are cans of you know Dr. Pepper with like you know an inch left in the bottom. Yeah. So well, guess what, Carissa? It's your spit. <laughs> right. So just you you literally spend all day every day swallowing it. At least right. this little bit tastes kind of like Dr. Pepper. <laughs> What are you doing? Oh, I hope you're listening. Um, all right, so let's let's make an effort to get yeah. into this movie. Uh, as always, this is the deep dive, so spoiler alerts, guys. If you haven't seen it yet, you're lucky. Turn this episode off and go live your best life. <laughs> if you have, then you're all set. But obviously, spoiler alert, we're going to talk about a few things in this movie where if you haven't seen it and you don't want it ruined, uh, go ahead and go do that. Content warning on this one? Sure. I'm going to do it. Uh, I said we're going to do, uh, you know, mark every episode explicit in the month of October just because of context although I will say I really don't think there's much here that is going to cause there to be any kind of problem but you know we're going to talk about disappearances and kidnappings and abductions and that kind of stuff so yeah. so that content you don't want the kids sitting around I know my kid was traumatized when he saw like Great Mouse Detective and the <laughs> bat comes in and steals the kid or steals the old man and yeah. uh, and he's just like, oh my god, someone's gonna steal my dad, and had nightmares that like things were gonna come out of the bathroom and steal us. The first time I sat my cousins down to watch Nightmare Before Christmas, we got like a good four minutes into it, and in the opening Halloween uh, song, when the clown rips his face off, he's like, "I am the clown with the tearaway face." Oh yeah. My youngest cousin went, "Nope," got him, <laughs> <and> ran out <laughs> of the room, and we didn't see him again. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I've never seen a kid move so quick. And it's like, what? I mean, like, nope. If it's gonna be anything, I will, dude. Nightmare Before Christmas is a thousand times scarier than the fourth kind. Oh yeah, for see, sure. I'm the clown with the tearaway face. Nope. <laughs> That's so true. Why do we love that movie? Um, okay, I'm telling you guys, everything we're talking about right now is creeping me out more than this movie did. Where can you watch this in hell? No, I'm just kidding. You can watch it. It's available on Stars. If you have a Star subscription, you can check it out there. If you don't, Stars offers the free trial. Uh, sign up for the seven days or whatever it is. Watch this movie and a few other things, and then cancel it. If you haven't told, if you can't tell yet, guys, we don't like this movie. I actually enjoyed trying to find this movie more than I did watching it. (laughs) Let's get into some of the production details of this movie. So again, we're talking about The Fourth Kind. It was released in 2009. So November 6, 2009, it actually hit theaters in the U.S. It's rated PG-13. Rotten Tomatoes, it got a critic score of 18%. That seems generous. Uh, It got an audience score of 41%. IMDb. Puts it at right under 6 out of 10, 5.9 out of 10. That feels really high. And Google yeah. gives it 88%. Fourth Kind was directed by, I'm going to do my absolute best, Olatunde Osunsanmi. Olatunde Osunsanmi? We're going to go with that. Olatunde directed uh, movies like The Cavern, Evidence, and he did some TV stints on some episodes of Star Trek Discovery and Falling Skies. Mm -hmm. So all kind of in the same wheelhouse. I think The Cavern might be the one title that I recognized right away. Yeah. Um, and it's also written by Ula Tunde, so, um, but along with his writing partner, Terry Robbins, who also co-wrote The Cavern. I don't know what they wrote, if it's all archival footage, but You just whatever. took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> you did. Uh, it was the easiest writing job ever, apparently. <laughs> the budget was $10 million. $10 million for this movie, which is 
really low and it brought in a worldwide gross of just under 50 million dollars so 47.7 million so this movie made money it made its budget back it made its you know i mean they did spend a lot of money on advertising similar to blair witch and paranormal like really hammering the whole true story and archival this and real that so a lot of but even if you even if you triple the budget this movie still walked away with money uh, which is surprising. I mean, did, was the rest of that money spent on Mila Djokovic? I, w- I would, I would guess that at least eight million went to her, right. and then two million went to craft services. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, and the film was shot on location in Bulgaria. It wasn't even shot in Alaska. So this is in oh, oh yeah, Tim, Bulgaria. You know why? Because no, Alaska wouldn't let them film this nonsense there. Yeah. What is the synopsis? What is this all about? And what is this real-life basis that they claim? The fourth kind claims to be a true story of the residents of Nome, Alaska, who are visited by aliens every morning at 3 a.m. The aliens appear first as like an owl, and then they enter the home and abduct the person that is being visited. The film follows supposed real-life psychologist Dr. Abigail Tyler as she uses hypnosis to unlock these repressed memories from her patients until she herself begins to experience some pretty eerie things. And there's other contexts, like her husband, They in the early scenes of the movie, he's killed, but it's also leading you to believe that he might have been either killed or abducted by aliens. You know, there's there's some stuff there, but she and her husband are working together in Nome, Alaska to track these alien encounters. And after the death of yeah. her husband, she and her children stay there and she continues the work. And it's and that's where we pick up the film, is her continuing the yeah. work and trying to figure out what's going on there. The movie, like I said, claims to use real archival footage of alien encounters and is based on a string of mysterious disappearances in Nome in the early 2000s. So that's kind of the background there. Yeah, this is a beautiful setup for some really, really creepy stuff. You got me hooked. I'm ready to go. (laughs) Calm yourself, Tim. (laughs) (laughs) Let's get into a little trivia and some fun facts. If you've spent any time researching any of the weird paranormal stuff that I do in my extracurricular time, <laughs> you would know uh, the, the fourth kind. The title is derived from a scale of measurement was that was developed in uh, a book written in 1972 called "The UFO Experience: A Scientific Inquiry" by astronomer and UFO researcher J. Allen Hynek. He developed this scale, and in the original scale, identified three kinds of encounters. Everybody's familiar with Steven Spielberg's uh, movie "Close Encounters of the Third Kind," um, so that would be the third on this scale. The first of which is referred to a visual sighting of a UFO. So, you know, when you see a blurry YouTube video or any of those ones that the Pentagon has been sharing recently about, we don't know what this is, um, that would be a first kind. A second kind would be a physical evidence of a UFO, you know, crop circles, the Roswell crash, bodies that we have in Area 51, all that kind of fun stuff. And then the third kind is UFO encounters with an animated entity is present. So actual like physical interaction with an alien, um, more so than just seeing it. Heineck scale. Ale became well-known after being referenced in um, Steven Spielberg's uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. And that's kind of where we've gotten it into, you know, everyday UFO vernacular. Yeah, so in 77, it definitely enters just sort of the lexicon, right? And then since then, there were four additional levels beyond Hynek's original three that have been added. But these have not been universally accepted because they lack what they say is the scientific rigor. (laughs) that Heineck used in creating the original list of three. Those additional levels are the fourth kind, which is what our film is based on. And the fourth kind speaks about an event where a human is abducted by a UFO or its occupants. The fifth kind involves direct communication between aliens and humans. The sixth kind is the death of a human or animal associated with a UFO sighting. That's getting creepy. And then the seventh kind, my favorite kind, is the creation of a human-alien hybrid, either by sexual reproduction or artificial scientific methods. So I want to see that movie. I want to watch the seventh kind. 
Oh, well, I did. It's called Species. Or the X-Files. That's kind of the whole crux of the entire oh, X-Files. Fair point. To some degree. All I really get from this list is that the aliens want to take you before they ever actually call you. Because if they're abducting <laughs> you at level four, but they don't even want to talk to you until level five, like that's some messed up shit. Dude, it is <laughs> true. <laughs> that is absolutely true. Well, at least they've talked to you before they seventh kind you. That's very you know? true. That's, that's um, the least they could do. So today's movie, again, focuses on this additional scale of the fourth kind, which is alien abduction. To take us a little bit further, in a CNN article, Paul Halperin, a physics professor at the University of Sciences in Philadelphia, doubts the validity of this scale in its entirety. Since the scale has only ever been referred to in fiction and not used as actual scientific scale of measurement. I mean, as we have sort of found out in some of our research, there is stuff that jumped out to me in this movie that I was like, ooh, I've heard about this. And then when we went to go do research, it was literally one guy wrote a book about this idea and that is it. So yes. within this whole realm of stuff, there's not a lot of science going on here. So thank you, Captain, Dr. Professor Obvious. <laughs> right. right. This is definitely a world, not so much of science, but clearly science fiction. And, and it's yes. it, those lines get so blurred, especially because of movies like this. Now, yes. while Paul Halpern definitely doesn't give validity to the Hynek scale um, and, and admits that it is not something used in science, there is is, however, a more accepted scale of measurement, which was actually first developed in 2001 by the astronomers Ivan Almar and Jill Tarter, who are with SETI. Uh, the SETI program is the Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence. Now, this scale is called the Rio scale, and it's a scale from 0 to 10, which is meant to help communicate to the public exactly how, quote, excited they should be if a true and documented UFO event is ever witnessed and reported to the public. So, for example, 0 is none, none excitement, 1 is insignificant, 2 is low, 3 is minor, and it increases with each step up to 10, which is extraordinary, an extraordinary extraordinary amount of excitement. I will tell you right now that I don't think the, the general public is ever going to wait for somebody to uh, assign a scale of excitement to this, considering I think the first weekend of the NFL season, there was a new blimp flying over like the Meadowlands area, and there were um, video of people in North Jersey just like abandoning their cars on the highway because this thing looked like a UFO hovering over um, you know, the Giants and Jets stadium there, and like they were like people had to come out afterwards and be like it's our new blimp like yeah i mean me, those people didn't wait <laughs> as we covered in our rewind episode where we talked about class action park they're jersey you know what i mean there's yeah. people in jersey um, so to date i mean this scale has never been used um because there have been no credible alien in communications or encounters despite what people saw in new jersey after the you know the first nfl weekend um <laughs> again so far, uh, not an alien <laughs> encounter <laughs> So far, it's only ever been used uh, in, in the paper written by Almar and another uh, astronomer, Seth Shostak, to rate alien movies according to the scale. So <laughs> in context here, Independence Day was a 10. I mean, that's Oh, that's an pretty, extraordinary level of excitement. Better be excited yeah, when they're blowing up <laughs> National Landmark. And then something like 2001 Space Odyssey was given a 6 because it's noteworthy. So, I mean, this movie might be an 8 or 9 from that scale take maybe? it easy tim you don't want people to misquote you saying that this movie is an eight or a nine <laughs> this movie uh, is a nun <laughs> no but yeah scale. abduction absolutely abduction would would certainly be up there if not a 10 especially abduction with archival footage oh yeah be, come on you know, tim a 10. <laughs> come on son so that's where the that's sort of the history behind the title and then just a little bit of you know insight into what is commonly accepted as markers for these types of alien encounters. Additionally, the movie really touts heavily this idea of waking up at 3 a.m. The uh, All of the patients in the film claim to be woken up around 3 a.m. We see Dr. Tyler waking up every day at 3.33. So what is the significance there? Why is that such a big deal? And it's, and it's a mechanism that we've seen play out in a lot of different movies. Yeah. Waking up at 3 a.m., commonly known as the witching hour, this is the phenomenon of waking up at 3 a.m., and it has a very long history of eerie and creepy explanations. Mm -hmm. 
So, for example, in the film The Exorcism of Emily Rose, the priest in there says that 3 a.m. is the time when demons are most active. And it's just another example of so many movies that do this. However, as it turns out, this is actually a very common occurrence. It's shared by a large portion of the population, which has given rise to some of these really interesting ideas and these questions as to why. I know this absolutely happens to me at least once or twice a year for a few nights. I get these bouts where I'm just every day waking up at 3, maybe 2, but every single day for multiple days waking up at 3 a.m. So I have always found this fascinating because I can relate this. It immediately, theoretically, hits a note for me as a horror because it's like, oh, why is this happening to me? Yep, just that idea of like that sort of synchronicity precedes some kind of scary or tragic event. <laughs> so yeah. uh, I've actually done away with any sort of clock in my bedroom a while ago. Not for any particular reason. I just kind of hated that, oh man, it's six, I only have an hour to sleep sort of thing. So I've gotten rid of my clock altogether. So I could be waking up at three every day for five years and I wouldn't know about it. <laughs> well, that's also, I mean, that's key for good sleep hygiene actually is not looking yeah. at a clock. If you wake up, just, you know, go do what you got to do. Come back. Try to go back to sleep. If you can't, go read. Do something boring. But just, you know, set the alarm and yeah. keep trying until you actually hear the alarm go off. So that's really healthy of you, Tim. Yay! No aliens <laughs> for me. <laughs> but, I mean, in seriousness, I mean, this is a known, you know, this is a phenomenon. And there's actually, you know, roots of it in Christian uh, Christianity and spiritualism. While there's absolutely no biblical reference to waking up at 3 a.m., the number three has does have, you know, biblical significance. This has therefore led many people to believe that waking up at 3 a.m. is a sign from the Holy Spirit that God is trying to speak to you. I mean, I know sometimes when I wake up, I can't fall back asleep. I will pray. It just seems like the right thing to do in that moment. I, I don't want to do anything more rigorous than that. And that's a very calming kind of kind of thing to do. So I've definitely felt that urge when I've woken up in the middle of the night. So not surprising. I feel like this is something I have to give a try. I've never heard of this concept. Like it's, it's being so rooted in Christianity. But mm -hmm. ironically enough, so we were, we were recording this on a Monday. In yesterday's sermon, my pastor was make the comment that you know, he oftentimes wakes up early around 3 a.m. and that this is a sign to him that God is trying to speak something to him. So he prays in those moments. So I say that simply just because it just so happens that yesterday the pastor of my church was really touting this idea of, you know, the spirit speaking to you in these moments when you're woken up at 3 a.m. It's also a sort of a synchronicity type event there. It's talking about that while you're doing this research. It's now I'm getting a little creeped out, Tim. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but moving away from the, like the actual Christianity side of it, spiritualists will also describe a similar belief. However, they're just kind of replacing the idea of God, obviously, with you know more of a concept of the universe at large. Um, you know, the same idea, though, that the universe is trying to share some wisdom, um, you know, with the person being awakened. I mean, a lot of times you hear a lot of creative people keep notebook next to their bed and they wake up with their greatest ideas and they yes. jot it down. Um, so not too far from that, from this idea. In addition to that idea, you know, of gaining some kind of wisdom or insight in the universe, kind of nudging you awake. Um, there's also an idea that it's you being your own worst critic and you have extremely high standards of yourself and you have trouble trusting others. So spiritualists kind of throw that angle at you as well. Um, and additionally, if you wake up every day at 3.33 a.m. as well, ooh, again, some kind of, you know, synchronicity. Um, and this is what happens to Dr. Tyler in the movie. It actually means that your guardian angel guardian spirit is waking you up and may have an important message or response to you and your prayers so again that idea of you know prayer or reflection when you are woken in this at this hour you know sort of for going off that demon idea like maybe that's just the time of the day that we're closest to the the, the veil right they're closest to the spiritual realm that distance is a little thinner so maybe maybe things get through hmm. intriguing um right? this continues on in eastern medicine it is believed that the body follows the 24-hour clock and that specific organs perform their main functions during a specific hour or a one-hour window um so if you wake every day at 3 a.m it means that your liver is overworked and you should adjust your lifestyle and maybe talk to your doctor to check your liver functions so it's believed that that, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Stop drinking, Tim. Um, <laughs> however, all of these things 
While interesting as they may be, it seems that the most realistic reason, and the most backed by science and medicine, is that it is actually a very common form of insomnia. Now, to be clear, while early wakings on occasion do not classify as insomnia, if you're waking up a time or two here or there at 3 a.m., you do not have insomnia. No need to freak out. It's usually, it's totally normal, and it's usually very harmless. However, if you do find yourself waking up daily for an extended period of time at 3 a.m. and have trouble getting back to sleep, it could mean that you are dealing with a bout of insomnia. So why 3 a.m. specifically, though? Well, that has to do with our body's natural sleep rhythms, which include two rounds of non-REM sleep, that's rapid eye movement sleep, followed by a round of deep sleep, and then a final cycle of REM sleep. So Mm -hmm. it is specifically this transition from deep sleep to REM that gives our bodies the most likely window of being roused from sleep, feeling very alert and unable to get back to sleep easily or quickly. And when does this transition occur, Tim? 4 (laughs) a.m. It occurs (laughs) at exactly or right around 3 a.m. So, and that's just because our bodies are synced up, you know, you've got your circadian rhythms and all this kind of stuff. So regardless of what time you go to sleep, you don't just start your cycles then. Your cycles have already begun. So if you go, the later you go to sleep, you are entering immediately into your second round of non-REM or maybe directly into your deep sleep. And that every night, like clockwork, (laughs) at 3 a.m., your body's going to start transitioning to REM because it naturally wants to wake up at the same time every day. Yeah. So if you're finding yourself waking at 3 a.m. each day, it could be for a whole host of reasons. Most likely, you need a little bit better sleep hygiene. Don't watch movies and do all that stuff before bed. Least likely, you're about to be abducted by aliens. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, a lot of this just also calls into, you know, this idea that I, I, I subscribe to after digesting a lot of stuff on alien topics over the years is a lot of the things just end up pointing back to other sleep maladies, right? So you're talking about sleep hygiene, but sleep paralysis is an answer for a lot of abduction theory and even a lot of like demon or spirit presences, right? Mm. It's just, you know, this idea of being woken in one of these, you know, sleep cycles where your body is still shut off, but your mind is awake and you feel like something's holding you down and you see a presence or you see a light. Um, you know, a lot of people end up reporting sleep issues, you know, along with these things. So it's not that far of a, a stretch. I mean, it's also the time when you're most vulnerable. You're dead to the world for, you know, anywhere from, you know, six to eight hours a night if you're getting good sleep. So it's not, it's not strange enough i mean it's it's not strange to me that you you wouldn't you know end up in some kind of vulnerable situation or feel vulnerable um, mm-hmm. you know during these times so absolutely uh, makes sense it totally makes sense when you put it all together so this is just again some background as to mm-hmm. you know movies pull from these known things right and and this yes. movie is no exception waking up at 3 a.m every day pulling from these known scales of contact and and even diving a little bit deeper down that scale to the fourth kind which enters yep. the realm of the the even least accepted by not even the scientific community but just you know you UFOlogy in in general, yeah. right? So you know, kind of just diving deeper into the mythos and uh, trying to construct something to give us all a little bit of a fright this month. I mean, you add to that too that people in this community in this UFO community run the gamut, um, and they get amplified voices within these communities because people share stuff. I mean, there's other stuff that we came across in this movie that I was texting you excitedly about. They're like, oh, I've heard about this. And I referenced it earlier. I was like, yeah, this thing, I've heard about this. And then when we looked into it, it's literally one guy wrote a book about the symbology of owls and how that, you know, works into alien stuff. So I was so excited to do that research. And then, you know, Frank Cosme is like, I see nothing except this one book. But this one guy has made an impression and led me to believe that there is so much more to this, but there isn't. So, you know, this stuff is out there. And I mean, conversely, maybe this movie inspired him to write this book about aliens and UFOs. You know, it's just it it ends up being a a self-sustaining cycle, too, of of especially within this, you know, sci-fi world and para psychology, para 
normal, its own little ecosystem. Oh, without a doubt, especially this theme. So with that, we are here because we watched a movie, guys, and we watched it together. And we came out the other side better than we went in. That's not true. So uh, let's dive into a little bit of our thoughts about the actual movie itself, The Fourth Kind. So we're going to we're going to set aside what we think we know. We're going to set aside the fact or fiction and we're going to dive in and focus specifically on the product on the screen. Tim, what were your thoughts of this movie? To be honest, I wish that I was abducted about 20 minutes into this movie because then I would have never had to have finished it. And that would have been a much more exciting thing to talk about tonight than the rest of this movie. Uh, It's I'm with you a hundred percent. I really, really dislike this movie top to bottom front to back. It was just a heaping pile of trash. Yeah, there was I honestly I had a really hard time finding even a single redeemable quality to this. I mean, and we can kind of touch on each of these things in turn. But I mean, the acting was bad. The writing was bad. The story just was it was Swiss cheese. There's just no it made no sense. It was holes and holes and holes and just really, really cheesy. Like it was just trash. And, and that's not even getting into my own biases about aliens or whatever. Like, I feel like I genuinely went into this one with an open mind and looking forward to seeing at least a watchable horror movie or a sci-fi movie and it couldn't even deliver on that basic promise which is tragic yeah i mean and we kind of set this up in the rewind episode too that i feel like when you get into holiday movies when you are looking for a specific note with something to you know pull at that certain heartstring we're going to be a little bit more liberal with like does this fit this didn't fit anything (laughs) this didn't this wasn't like a oh yeah i could watch this every halloween and feel good about it no like it it didn't do that and i would watch warm bodies every day before ever watching this movie again right and and like when you say there's not a redeeming quality about it uh, i've worked in sales for entertainment industry and it's always been a thing to there's always something about a production that you you can, when somebody asks, oh, how was it? And if you didn't like it, you could always say, well, it had great lighting or it had a great soundtrack or this actor did a great job here. Find something to hold on to. There's nothing. I mean, this movie made me laugh <laughs> more than any movie that we may have watched yet. And, and not in a, not good, a way. good way. No, not at all. Yeah. I, I just, I can't tell you watch this movie for X and with a straight face because there, there's nothing. There's not nothing nothing there no 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 and so absolutely agreed the acting in this is atrocious mila jovovich is hard to watch it is an absolute train wreck her low whispered whiny obnoxious voice throughout this entire movie and and then pair that with the the weird voice thing that the real Dr. Tyler, and I'm using air quotes that nobody can see, and we'll get to that yeah. in a minute. Right. Right. But like, I I don't understand it. I, I didn't understand yeah. the choice. And then you pair that with the, I, we'll call him the second lead is Will Patton. He plays the sheriff <laughs> of Nome, Alaska. And this dude is just like doing his best Trump impression of just yelling obscene and absurd nonsense for the full two hours, just chewing up scenery and giving an absolute masterclass in overacting, which Absolutely. is the norm for him. But I expected more from Mila Jovovich. I really really did i think the big theme for me with her was early on when her that one patient goes home and she's called to the the by the cops to come to his house because he's holding his family hostage and when he shoots himself and his kids which you saw coming a mile away when she gets to the house she loses it like she was his own wife and i'm like I get it. Maybe you've been working with him for a while, but doctor patient confidentiality, doctor patient relationship, you are like beyond distraught at what just happened. And like, maybe it's just a visceral reaction to the murder that was 30 feet away from you inside a house. But that whole scene just blew my mind. Uh, and, And I think everything from there just sets up that she just has these overblown reactions to literally 
everything well and speaking to that scene in particular too i mean first of all i don't know maybe the argument it's a small town this that or the other but i mean for you to bring in a a psychologist who she's never been in that situation i understand but have you not even been trained like are you not like critical incident trained or, or whatever to to deal with these high stakes high tension situations but again let's argue that she isn't a problem with that scene that i really had he has his wife the 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 guy who um so like i mentioned earlier there are residents in Nome, Alaska who have been having sleepless nights and having kind of weird dreams, but they can't really understand it. And so they go to Dr. Tyler. She's performing this research and she puts them under hypnosis, which kind of breaks this repression bar- barrier and brings forward like the, the sort of true memory. And, mm-hmm. and, and so they're, they're witnessing aliens coming into their house, right? They, yep. they remember it as owls. So in their kind of waking moments, they're like, oh, I had this weird dream about an owl or, or there was an owl outside my house all night. And there's multiple residents who have this. We follow two in prim- you know, primarily. But then they find out through the hypnosis that it's actually aliens. Now, upon finding this out, one of the guys goes home and essentially threatens to murder his entire family, his wife and two kids, because yeah. he has now got a glimpse of what's coming. And he would rather kill them himself to spare them the horrors of these aliens than than to have them you know live this out and so they call Ty- he 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 wants to talk to Dr. Tyler he won't talk to anybody else he hasn't killed anybody yet and they bring her into the scene so the part that I had the big problem with is that he has his wife up against the glass and the kids yeah. seemingly in another room but within gunshot right let's say so like he's in the kitchen with the wife and then like in the dining room are the kids and you can't see them but he kills and the sheriff is like you know take the shot if you have it and you can hear snipers on the radio we don't have the clear shot she's in front of him blah 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 right okay he kills the wife and i get that if he's if he's covered up or whatever they don't have the clean shot but they allow that to happen but i'll give you that he then slow as anything turns the gun down the hall towards his kids and kills them at that point she's dead and out of the picture and you have snipers who have been waiting for an opening like why didn't they take him out why are the kids dead why like i don't understand it is Mm -hmm. and and then he and then he kills them and then kills himself right so i just there's so many moments where things are happening on the screen and it just doesn't make sense. And it's frustrating because it feels lazy. This whole movie, the acting in particular, feels lazy. It, it, yeah. it feels like Mila Jovovich made no effort to build a character. They, they focused on one obnoxious trait, which is this voice. And, and nothing else, you know? It is... It's insane. And then the sheriff, he's just so aggressive, like mm-hmm. painfully so. The way he handles police work and, and, and <laughs> you know, it, it just, and, and people in his community, oh it's nonsensical. You know, he, he handles not. her with yeah. like kid gloves the whole time. This whole thing that she, you know, this, this, th- the thread that we're really following from the beginning is this questionable death of her husband. And we are led and led and led to believe that there's there's something sketchy about how this played out, right? That she, they were, you know, she goes under hypnosis at one point and is like, oh, we were making love. And then they came in and they stabbed him. And it's like, but then we've, none of that happened. And the sheriff knows that the whole time and never just says it. He's never like, yeah, not at all. Yeah. He's never like, Abby, your husband killed himself. We had, look, here's the picture the right like what are you talking about he he plays along and and handles her with kid gloves while at the same time being very aggressive and combative to her and getting angry at her extremely yep it just it makes no sense this juxtaposition between his you would think if he's that aggressive and he's that cold-hearted or or whatever that he would just come in and be like you know i know everyone knows your kid knows your husband blew his brains out here's the picture of it 
right? Yeah. So he's like, yep. Abby, are you sure? And then just immediately is just like off the rails. Like he's had enough with her crazy. They've given him no reason to act the way that he, it's not like suddenly the town is flooded with hundreds and hundreds of news stations or like, you know, a thousand FBI agents. And he's like worried about his credibility, you know, but he's ranting and raving at her that, He's like, this is not happening in my town. And it's like, you're in Nome, Alaska. This yeah. isn't, you know, New York City. This isn't Chicago. This isn't even San Diego. Like, no one cares. You're you're that distant. Like, what what is the reputation of your town in Nome, Alaska? I have no idea. Well, and that's the other I, I'm so glad you made that point because there are there are passing moments that if you're not watching it hypercritically, you'll miss it. There are parts yeah. where he's getting up her butt about something and then her retaliation is casually bringing up like under your watch thousands of people have gone missing and he's just like right. how could you say that blah 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 and and you're like really thousands <laughs> what are you talking about like why are you the only person researching this why does yeah. nobody believe like this would be astronomical you know right Anyways, and, and then in this movie, it's just a passing thought. But again, all of this really points to the acting is terrible. But the structure of the movie is bad as well. And, and I feel like for me, the main part is how this really fails as an alien movie, as a horror movie, as just a decent movie, right? I mean, number one, out the gate, this is an alien movie without aliens, we see a UFO for 30 milliseconds and it's blurry. Yeah. Other than that, all we watch is a bunch of static on the TV, right? These moments of archival footage and listen to people screaming. Yeah. And we do that for two hours. It two hours. on more of like, if you had told me this was a demon possession movie, I almost would have. If you could replace the word alien with demon, uh, you, there was more demon possession in this movie than there was alien abduction. I would believe that more. I agree with you. It it plays more like that, but even there, it's lacking because yeah. there is how this is rated PG thirteen. I don't understand. There is nothing visually scary or creepy of of almost any kind. The brief moments you get are just snapshot moments before you can't even see what's happening on the screen yeah, and yeah. and it's it is so boring this movie is absolutely boring but it's it's why it fails as a horror movie um yeah. and, and and additionally like i'm not gonna buy all the way into you trying to sell me this is a true story you know if if this is the best you can do Right? right, which and it makes sense for ten million dollars. There is there's no CGI in this, hardly at all. Like it's Nothing. it's so, but because of that, it looks. You see every penny. You see every oh, yeah. penny of this budget because it is so so cheap. And, and the lack the, the lack of like an alien or a you know a creature or a scare. It's all this jarring, weird cinematography of like juxtaposed screens at one point the, the screen cuts into four and like the top left you've got the archival footage and the bottom right you have the movie and then in the other two quadrants you've got like weird static and it's you know it's like a changing. comic book yeah it's and it's just it ends up being jarring and it and it's uns settling because it's jarring and it hurts to look at it <laughs> no absolutely and there's no payoff right no. you spend all the time attempting to build tension which you fail to do but let's just for sake of argument say that tension is built at the end mm -hmm. you get nothing for your time or investment right give me some kind of creepy looking gray lurking around at least you'll get a kick from people like i would have gotten a kick of this as at least a fun horror movie or, or whatever sure i could at least appreciate that but it couldn't even deliver the most basic cliched guaranteed thing and yeah. and that was that was a really big question mark for me just give me a dissolve of like an like an owl into the stereotypical alien face and fade to black and i think i would have been okay like maybe i, I well, I mean, you brought up signs. I think that's a great 
that's yeah. a great comparison because at least up until the end where it gets really campy, there's that moment when that alien creeps across the little alleyway mm-hmm. or whatever. Yep. And that was creepy. That's all I need. Give me some kind of reason to care. And I just didn't get that. I could, you know, like everybody else in the movie, I, I was just explaining things away. Yep. I don't know. In the places where you could really have some fun. They just didn't, and and it oh, was yeah. it was just boring. It was absolutely boring and insulting. It was it was awful. Yes. Um. All right. I again too. You know, we talked a bit about the story and how it doesn't make any sense. We don't need to belabor everything, but mm-hmm. you know, I, I talked a bit about the husband, him being killed by aliens or abductive, and in the end, it ends up that he committed suicide. But it's it's never explained why. Abby Tyler sees things differently. There's like, do the aliens make her see that? Did they really kill him? But we also saw another guy totally lucid blow his brains out because of what he had seen. So we're kind of led to assume a similar fate befell her husband. Yeah. But why does she repress it that way? Why? I I don't get it. I don't get it. And there's also this alluding to, like, him doing this secret research within the context of this research, like, where he reaches out to this other doctor that she brings in, who's an expert on... On Sumerian culture, because the aliens are speaking in Sumerian. But he offers nothing. He's there for, like, five minutes, and then he pieces out. But, like, he reached... Her husband reached out to this guy under a different name called them from her house and he was doing this research on the sly and she didn't quite understand why so like how much was she really privy to this this research that they were doing together and it just you know like the her whole making these connections by talking to these people like was really confusing to me and Mm. like i didn't get from this at all that she had been researching this for a long time like i i don't even it is unclear to me in this movie how she even ended up making these connections (laughs) like it just it doesn't make any sense and can you explain it off by trauma and say like oh her trauma made her see this way i'm watching Monsterland on on hulu and like that is a big play on trauma it's your trauma does this to you but like she's probably the only therapist psychologist in this area and she can't even keep her cheese squarely on her cracker like (laughs) that is really upsetting (laughs) for the rest of this entire movie like you're going to trust her to do anything if she can't even keep her own head on straight i I don't it's it's a tough sell and the other thing that drives me crazy is in the end it doesn't even end up being her story and not even in a fun twist way right i had reviewed the movie dark skies on instagram a couple of months ago it was on netflix and everyone's like oh the most terrifying movie on netflix ever and that one's kind of trashy too but um, at least in Dark Skies, right, we're watching this whole story as this family is being plagued by this unseen sort of force or this entity, and and they, and it ends up being aliens, and then you think that it's, you know, aliens are coming after this one in particular kid, and so they're keeping him super safe, and it ends up that they're coming for a totally different one, and it's a fun twist, it plays like a horror movie, you see the greys, and, and they get into, like, the different types of aliens, the humanoids versus the greys and the robotics mm-hmm. or whatever, and, and it's interesting, yeah. and it's a little bit creepy, you know, in the end, I kind of was like, eh, it's not really worth a watch, but compared to this, like... Dude, compared to this, it's The Shining. Like, it is the greatest alien movie of all time. And here, (laughs) right, we are watching her. We don't understand the deal with her husband. We don't understand why she sees things differently. We don't understand why nobody else can kind of believe it. She has a colleague who she is friends with, who is a fellow psychologist played by Elias Codius, and he plays Dr. Abel Campos in this movie. He's the one that puts her under at the beginning. You know, he kind of comes in, but for whatever reason, regardless of what he sees, refuses to to back her to the sheriff and, yeah. and be like, we witness like I don't understand that. Why is he yep. being so stubborn about it? Um, and, and then, but mainly in the end, they take the daughter. Why? 
Why? Mm-hmm. Like if they've been attacked. I I don't get the the motives make no sense. The driving elements of this movie, and in the end, you just don't care, and you you just don't care, and and, right. and they've not woven together a cohesive narrative at all in this. the The director, the writer, he had a a glimpse of an idea that was influenced by a particular thing he read in an article once. And he just pieced mealed together some nonsense, and it's like they gave no thought. You know, they they built each each act in a vacuum, and then just sort of glued them together without really telling a story. And so this movie fails horribly as a story, and therefore as a movie in general. And that kind of leads me to the transition of that the last way this movie fails is by them force-feeding me this being a true story. And I think that really, more than anything, speaks to how bad the movie itself is. The, The only thing they can bank on or try to really get someone in and hooked and and thinking that this is a decent movie is by trying to forcibly convince them that this is actually true and and it's insulting and it enrages me the movie opens up with mila jovovich coming out and giving this like really intense monologue of I'm actor Mila really Jovovich. Intense. Yeah, and she's like, I'll be portraying Dr. Abigail Tyler. The blah, blah, blah. What you are about to see is archival footage. And and, and it is all total BS. And, and it's like, how dare this person do this? How far can you take this? Yeah. I mean, it, I was actually really kind of excited at first. I was like, wow. Like, this kind of fourth wall breaking of, like we're going to tell you this and like i've bought into this and you know i've got a name in hollywood and i'm putting my weight behind this like this stuff happened and you're gonna see and then you can make up your mind and then the recreations this archival footage this archival audio i mean rescue 911 in you know the 90s could have won academy awards for their archival footage you know you, you mentioned blair witch before um even even the scene in science that you were referencing where the alien you know like crashes that little birthday party in south america that looked more convincing as home video than anything that you see in this movie well because they only had two dollars left in the budget (laughs) exactly and not to mention like you immediately immediately jump into that archival footage from her saying believe this watch this footage and then they jump into this stuff and you're like this isn't filmed on you know a camcorder by someone in like this is in a studio and it's bad like you're watching actors try not to act and it's it's worse than just having to bring in somebody off the street and be like here read this i would so yes 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 at least that would read as authentic Right. right this person cannot act this is i mean i yeah all of this is just debilitatingly frustrating and upsetting and really kind of ruined what i was super excited about which was you know the fact versus fiction of this movie all of this stuff that we talked about all these trivia stuff all everything that happened this is a true story we are told this happened no ifs ands or buts and the end of this movie goes on to tell you in script about where all these people are and what they're doing now and they don't want to talk about it so what ends up being fact versus fiction with all of this amazingly terrible archival footage well we're gonna tell you (laughs) we are there's not much there's not much there were mysterious disappearances in nome alaska i mean it's alaska this part of the story has some truth in this area near the bering sea a lot of people disappeared to the point that it did catch you know the fbi's uh, attention and they did investigate 20 of these ultimately they just kind of chalked everything up what they found to be you know alcohol and frigid temperatures i mean you forget the days are different there it's dark for a lot longer then it's light for a lot longer um you know nine of these bodies were never found but we're not on the scale here and going to put this as a, you know, a sixth kind, like there's no evidence of aliens killing these people. So 
The next part, were there any credible reports of alien abductions in Nome, Alaska? And the answer there is no. There has never been a single report filed claiming alien abduction in any of the Nome cases. In fact, referring back to that CNN article that we were talking about, which interviews yeah. physics professor Paul Halpern, he says that the idea of alien abduction on a whole is fun as a basis for fictional movies, but that it is important for the public to understand the difference between science and science fiction. Halpern states that almost all scientists I know believe there is no evidence of encounters between humans and alien life forms. Right now, astronomers are still trying to find evidence of even the most simple life forms in space. So, again, the idea that people were being abducted, uh, even these nine bodies that were never found in the 2005 FBI investigation, is not founded at all. There were no abductions. And ultimately, as this is the case for any cryptid, any cryptozoological, mythological, folklore, animal, beast, ghost, we have we are so technology driven everybody has a ring camera everybody has a cell phone everybody has you know simply safe every you know there are nine people that catch you know the 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 street you know everybody's got a camera pointed out their front window there's just so many more ways to catch this stuff and we're not necessarily seeing more of anything right, right. so it ends up you know that that ultimately as we as a society become more connected and more technologically integrated, I, I have a feeling that this stuff is, it, it gets easier to explain because there's just physical evidence for a lot of it. So the next point, you know, again, Mila Djokovic told us all this stuff is real. So the real Dr. Abigail Tyler, who is in this footage, um, no, <laughs> there is no record of her in real life, despite the fact that at the end of the movie, we're told she moved to the East Coast and she is still alive. The woman in the film who is touted as being the real doctor is an actual a known English actor named Charlotte Milchard. If uh, you couldn't tell by her scenes, uh, she is a an actress. Go look her up on IMDb. Um, she's got photos of her rubbing elbows with other people that you will recognize from other shows. She is not a psychologist, nor has she had a daughter been abducted by aliens, as far as we know. Yeah, if not, she's the happiest looking <laughs> person to lose a daughter in Nome, Alaska, as she, you know, parties it up at film festivals and such. <laughs> and then lastly, and the big one, is this a true story? The answer is no. Besides the very small grain of truth of the uh, cases in the early 2000s of people going missing, which were overwhelmingly solved, this is not true in any way, shape, or form. In fact, the Alaskan newspaper, the Fairbanks Daily News Miner, sued Universal Pictures and settled out of court for for $22,500 that was paid to the Alaska Press and the Callista Scholarship Fund. The studio had to admit to creating a number of websites purporting to be news archives, creating fake news articles, and claiming they were written by Alaskan journalists and used real, unrelated news stories without permission. They also created fake articles and claimed that they were published by real publications like the Gnome Nugget, Fairbanks Daily News Miner, and the Anchorage Chronicle. The studio had to pay out the cash, admit fault, and agree to permanently disable and remove all of the offending items. In this sense, this movie feels about 10 years too late. Yeah. you know, It was you too to, easy to discredit it. Yeah. If you pulled this in 99 and that's pushing it, um, you know, I think if you go Blair Witch... And I think you could have gotten a cult following and this would have been passed around. People saying, oh, man, did you see this? But even then, it still wasn't done well enough to make it credible. So it just to go through all of that effort and then have the main product just be absolute garbage. Just it blows my mind. Mm -hmm. Um, But I mean, we we get to the point that the mayor of Nome at the time uh, that the movie was released, Mayor uh, Denise Michaels, she had to be very vocal in the media um, about her outrage over the film. Like I could see her being the sheriff. Like she's got the reputation <laughs> is being harmed. Like, yes, she states that the town residents uh, were bombarded with calls about the validity, validity of the film. And, you know, they were 
felt like it was bordering uh, on harassment. You know, she also said that uh, the only foundation of truth were the 20 cases of missing people, which ended up being proven to be tragic deaths. So uh, obviously people are going to be very sensitive to this issue. And, and you know, people are going to be Hollywoodized, you know, the deaths, actual deaths of 20 people and say it was, you know, aliens. I mean, that that's just not right. All in all, I mean, for, for the film to bastardize that and, and turn, you know, a true hurt in a community into some fictional story for entertainment um, and then bill it on such credible facts and, you know, that it's got a, a history and substance to it. Um, it's just enraging. I mean, it's enraging for me now and for that community. I think if anything... That's really what this boils down to. You know, I'm I'm willing to accept the balls of this production company and this production team to hear this story of an of I'm sure what happened was somebody read an article about the FBI investigating mysterious disappearances in this secluded town of Alaska and they ran with it they were like ooh we're going to write a whole movie about this it's going to be aliens or abducting people but fine man that's fine. You know, we can have conversations and debates about the ethics of that. How far can a movie studio go in claiming to be based on a true story? How far can people go to say that this person's a real person and, and whatever? And you know what? We can have that conversation. You yeah. know, it's their money. They can do what they want, I guess. And they ended up paying the price for that, right? When yeah. when called out, they had to say, yeah. And, and all that money, all that time, all that investment ended up having to get pulled down and was stuff they couldn't even use. So, you know, they had to pay the price for that. But at the end of the day, you have to produce a quality piece of content right, right? Yeah. and so you know it doesn't even really matter right the, the the point of this podcast is not to sit here and try to debunk and do that stuff that's just kind of the fun we're having with this month but yeah. we will watch your movie and try to figure out you know and, and hopefully it's worth watching and this isn't right so you're right. you're you are force feeding people the fact that this is true because you have nothing else and the yeah. truth is you don't even have that you are right. a google search away from realizing that you have nothing this movie is nothing on the rio scale it is a zero it <laughs> is a none the, it is it's terribly acted it's horrifically written the plot makes no sense the the motives the reasons everything doesn't make any sense there is no cadence to this film at all nothing builds or escalates it is a monotonous just monotone wine fest of a movie and it's awful it's awful it's not fun it's not campy it's not even so bad it's good it's just so bad that it's bad it yep. is among one of the worst things I've ever seen, I give this movie a zero out of ten. I found nothing redeeming in it. I didn't find it fun. There wasn't a single moment where I even was like, ooh, that's interesting, or oh, that's kind of cool. The costumes, the whatever, like all the stuff you were talking about, Tim, for me, there's nothing of value in nothing. this movie, and it just pisses me off. So I give it a zero. I don't think I've ever given a zero. I give this a zero. It's one of the worst things I've ever seen. Absolutely do not watch it. I tried to warn you at the beginning. Don't get the star subscription and no. and skip this one completely. It is utter trash. Absolute trash. You're better served. If you're interested in this at all, just research aliens. Creep yourself out and enjoy a good chuckle and go to bed because this is garbage absolute trash i was i was appalled appalled at how bad it is i i'm really glad you went there because i, I didn't know if i could go to a zero i mean i would maybe go to a 0. 0.5 simply but because why? i laughed hard i could because i 
I laughed harder at this than anything we've watched, but that is simply because I laughed at it. No, it is absolutely a zero. It is it is undeniably a zero. Yeah, I just yeah. Um, I, we were talking about this earlier off air, just some other stuff that I'm watching and stuff I've watched in the past. Something could give you a feeling uh, where like, oh, I want to watch something happy now or, you know, you know, I, a lot of times when we were, I was watching, you know, Haunting at Hill House or something like that, you watch one or two episodes, you're like, ooh, I need to watch something better. Our whole episode on the right, it's like, oh, I need to go watch something happy. And then you know, that sat with me. I turned this off and I was like, I laughed harder at this movie than I did at the you know, the episode of Taskmaster that I watched subsequently. There was just, there was <laughs> no feeling about this. If anything, I got a headache because of the strobes. And, you know, for like what felt like half the movie, there's a, a scene towards the end where they just break into this static, wavy weirdness. And I, I honestly thought there was something wrong with the stream. If I hadn't seen the rest of the movie, I would have thought it was broken. I, it just, there is nothing and i as i've said i've trained myself to find something to sell things on because that was you know that was part of my job for a while there is nothing i can't find anything in this movie i mean down to the smallest role the acting was horrible i uh, i I mean i'll just wax poetic all day about how absolutely awful this was i there was no halloween factor in this there was nothing creepy there was no atmosphere it was just gray mush all of it yep (laughs) just i think that's exactly it gray mush this is just awful salty porridge in your mouth and coming back at the end to just insist how real this was was just insult to injury dude i'm so glad the on-screen text of like where every it was it was just pissing me off. And and to go so far, too, is to be like, so-and-so, you know, alias, so-and-so, occupation changed. It's like, changed from what? Your imagination? Yeah. <laughs> like, right. I, I don't know. Um, yeah, man. Zero out of ten. This movie's trash. Don't waste your time. Literally watch anything else. Go watch Warm Bodies. You're going to love it. Yeah. Um, I think that's about it. That's it. That's all I even want to give this movie is not even a second longer. That wraps up our second deep dive episode. Our next episode is going to be another rewind, and we're going to be focusing on family-friendly movies for all ages or a variety of ages, right? We'll give you a couple for the younger kids, some that are a little interesting for slightly older kids, that kind of stuff, but all family-friendly Halloween fare that you can enjoy with anyone and get into the spirit of the holiday without losing sleep um or just watch this because nothing happens (laughs) other than that tune in on instagram we're doing halloween posts all month uh you know you can send us messages comments talk to us about what you think about this movie and anything else we're happy to have uh the conversation with you guys we don't judge if this is your favorite movie of all time i'm glad you liked it I hated it. But you can hit us up on Instagram at Pause Reviews. Uh, get to our website, pausereviews.com. Links to the podcast, links to our archive, all kinds of stuff is up there. And you can contact us through there or email us directly, pausereviews at gmail.com. Otherwise, we thank you guys so much for joining us this week. And we hope to see you back next week for our rewind number 11. Uh, and until then, have a safe and happy week. And we'll catch you on the next one. As always, I'm your boy Frank. And this is Tim. We'll see you when we see you. Peace. Bye. <laughs> That's weird. It was weird.